This episode is brought to you by Set for Life Insurance. Listen, docs, one of the first steps we took to pay off our student loan debt was realizing we paid way too much for our disability insurance. That all changed when we found Set for Life Insurance. They helped us with a customized insurance policy that met our needs and most of all, budget. To learn more, check out setforlifeinsurance.com. What's going on, Dr. Renee? Chilling. All right, everyone, this is Dr. Nee. Got Dr. Renee on this episode of Docs Outside the Box. We just got back from New York. Yo, it is crazy expensive to go to New York. We went to go for my godson's first communion. Yep, my nephew. And all that jazz that goes along with Catholicism. (laughs) Well, not all that goes on, but at least the communion. (laughs) All that jazz. I'll just leave it to you like that. And that's me saying that from someone who went to Catholic school. Same here. K through five, no, K through four. And then Mm. took a break from five through eight and then went to Catholic school, college prep school from Mm. nine to 12. And then I am right now as a heathen. (laughs) Anyway, we drove to New York and y'all. So if you don't believe the toll struggle is real, yo, it literally was $16 just to go from New Jersey to New York from the bridge. So just to go from the George Washington Bridge is $16 alone. Not to mention the toll that's necessary to go from the New Jersey Turnpike. Then you get off at the exit that puts you for the George Washington Bridge. Then we had to take the Whitestone Bridge because your family lives in Long Island. Yeah. Usually we take the Throg's Neck, but... I mean, either way, the Throg's Neck or the Whitestone Bridge is $16 itself also. I don't even know how much it is. It's like a $32 trip. Now on the way back, I think you're paying toll, actually, on the Throg's Neck. Yes. Then you don't pay toll. You don't pay toll to get into New Jersey, but you pay toll to leave Why you got to pay toll to leave Jersey, but you don't pay toll to come back into Jersey? I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. Well, I think I know why. Why is that? Who the hell wants to come to New Jersey? So if it's free to come in, (laughs) more people will come in. Not realizing they got to pay to come out. <laughs> That's a running joke my dad always says. Anyway. <laughs> he yeah, always Blake, says Blake. that when a party is bad, <laughs> it's free to come in, but then you got to pay to leave. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's corny, actually. <laughs> because but it gotta, applies. Yeah, anyway, so let's move on. <laughs> so speaking of asynchrony, right? Mm. One thing is treated one way versus how it's treated in another direction. You got a really interesting story that you told me about recently. Mm -hmm. I never got a chance to record it. This is the prime opportunity to record it. And I just wanted to put on wax because I think that it's really important how we treat each other and the biases that we have and how they're perceived. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I think for people who are in training, People who are in a situation where they feel like they don't have an advantage, mm-hmm. they may not necessarily know how to handle this situation, but I think you handled it perfectly. And actually, I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let you just take over. So why don't you just tell the story? <laughs> well, so I was on call this recent, is recent, really. Yeah, this is very recent. I was on call recently. and Like this year? Just a few weeks ago. 2021. <laughs> just a few weeks ago. 2021 and after inauguration 
after the inauguration. Well, you got to be specific about these things. Okay. Anywho, I was on call in April of 2021. Is that specific enough for you? First half or second half? <laughs> anyway, so I was on call. And where I am, usually there are two attendings on call. One is a generalist and then the other is the OBGYN hospitalist. But anyway, both of us were on call together and we're laboring this patient. And at some point, the nurse calls me in and says, listen, this patient's having a lot of pain. She had an epidural and everything. The problem was that this patient was a TOLAC, a trial of labor after cesarean. So she was trying to VBAC, basically have a vaginal birth after cesarean. That's dangerous, right? It's riskier than a birth without having had a cesarean, but it's not necessarily dangerous. It can become a dangerous situation. But anyway, after assessing her, I'm like, mm, yeah, I think she might have ruptured her uterus. So I call a C-section right away. And at this hospital, they always encourage you to have more than one person scrub. So I call my partner and I say, hey, listen, I'm calling this C-section. Why don't you come in? So we go into the OR and it's the two of us OBGYNs. I let him have the case for other reasons, but I let him have the case. So he's standing on the surgeon's side and I'm standing on the assistant side. We go in and her bladder is splayed open. Like her bladder literally exploded. We could see the Foley before we ever saw anything else. And so we're like, this is not good. So her uterus had indeed ruptured as well, but just a small portion of it. We go deliver the baby, deliver the placenta, sew up the uterus, and now we have to deal with this bladder. Baby's okay? Baby's okay. Baby was doing just fine. Don't leave that part out. Everybody's like... Yes. Okay. Yeah, the baby was fine, thankfully. Nice and vigorous, actually. And we're dealing with this bladder now. And so we call urology because this is way out of the scope of OBGYN. Because, I mean, when I tell you, her bladder looked like it exploded. So we call the urologist. Eventually, he comes in and he is... Well, let's clarify some things also. In terms of the hospital that you are at, is there an OB residency? No, there's no OB residency. Is there any other type of residency at this specific hospital? Yeah, there are a number of residents, family medicine, I think surgical residents also rotate through. Okay. Yeah. But specifically no OB residents? No, there are no OB residents. Got you. Okay, let's move on. At this hospital. So we call urology and this gentleman comes in and he starts to operate opposite me because he's, I guess, a righty or whatever. Anyway, so I'm assisting him at this point. My partner basically kind of moves aside to allow him to operate. And so I'm assisting this doctor. And so he comes in. He doesn't introduce himself to me. What he asks me is... Was he scrubbed in already at this point? He was scrubbed in. So yeah. he didn't look inside? Because, you know, when we do an intraoperative consult... Which yeah, does, you look first. You yeah. look first. Oh, what's going on? Oh. Really? Okay. And then you tell the scrub tech, these are my gloves. And then I'm going to go scrub out. Yeah. Do my scrub. He did all time. of that. He did all of that. Who did the talking? I think I did, actually. Yeah, I did. So when we called urology, he comes in. 
And I say, yeah, ladder splayed open. She was trying to V back and it was unsuccessful. And here it is. You can see her Foley clearly. We haven't removed the Foley, obviously. Wasn't apparent because her urine actually was never bloody, which was very weird. Urine was never bloody the entire time. So yeah, so I did the talking, explained to him what was going on. And at this point, he comes in, he scrubs in opposite me, and he doesn't introduce himself to me. I hear the other people in the room say his name, but he never introduces himself to me. Now, when a doc comes into the room, if I'm doing an intraoperative consult or if I'm asking for an intraoperative consult, I will usually say, hey, doc, right? So that's how I address him. Hey, doc, thanks for coming in. This is what's going on. He never actually introduces himself to me, but I hear the other people say his name. It's no big deal at that point. But finally, he says to me, what's your name? And I said, oh, my name's Dr. Darko. And no, I said, Darko. That's what I said. I said, Darko. And he goes, oh, is that your first name or is it Dr. Darko? I said, yeah, it's Dr. Darko. He goes, what's your first name? And I said, Renee. And he goes, oh, hi, Renee. But he never introduces himself to me. So I'm like, okay, let's see. I want to play. You know how I am. (laughs) This is why I get in trouble. I want to play. So he operates with me the entire time. We probably operated for about a good 40 minutes with him doing layer after layer. Because urology, all they do is layers. (laughs) Just do layers. So you repaired a bladder in two layers. Yeah, pretty much. Right? Fill it up. There's still a hole. You do your methylene blue test. Exactly. Okay, you still a hole. You got to do another layer. That kind of thing. So we were doing that. And the entire time, he's talking with me. We're having great banter back and forth. But the entire time, he's calling me, Renee, can you cut here for me, Renee? Sure. Can you expose that a little bit more for me, Renee? Sure. So, Renee, can you tell me where you're from? Sure. So I'm playing along. Now, while this is going on, I am talking to the other doc also. I'm addressing the other doc, my partner, who is there as well. So we don't keep him completely out of the conversation. And of course, I call him Dr. So-and-so by his last name. So Dr. So-and-so, I'll never have a patient that I'm going to be back with you again with because this is what happens whenever <laughs> I'm on call. That's right. Ha ha ha. Right. Harvard laugh. Yes, that's right. You have to close your mouth to laugh when you're from Harvard. Okay, so you're saying you're talking to your partner. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm addressing him as as Dr. So-and-so. His last name. Okay. That's right. Dr. So-and-so. And making jokes about. And the urologist guy is still doing layers. Doing layers. Okay. Kids just keep doing those layers and calling me Renee. So finally. Not Dr. Renee. Not Dr. Renee. Just Renee. Go ahead. Finally, the last layer is finally done. And when it is, he turns to my partner and he says, Dr. So-and-so, and I don't even remember what he said, but he says, Dr. So-and-so, his last name, Dr. So-and-so, blah, 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 blah. He asks a question or makes a statement. And so I look at him and I say, oh, why does he get Dr. So-and-so and I get Renee? And I swear. This man turns so pale. <laughs> How long was the pause for? The pause was probably a good five seconds, enough to make it awkward. 
was there like the patient pause, the bradycardic? <laughs> the patient's heart rate was still the same, right? Beep, beep. Patient's beep, heart rate was still beep, the same. I think beep, his heart rate beep, went up. Beep. And you can just see. And then he starts stuttering, and he's like, "I, I, I, I didn't. Well, I didn't know his. I didn't know his first name. Mm. I, I didn't mean it disrespectfully." Mm. And so I said, "Well, you know, I had to give you a hard time about that, right?" All of a sudden, the banter stopped. <laughs> he finished his last suture, his last whatever, and just left the room. Yeah, the banter just stopped. Then he walked out, and that was the end of that. But I had a feeling that made him feel a little uncomfortable. What the hell did I care? Because he had made me feel uncomfortable. Mm. So let's unpack that a little bit. You kind of knew where this was going to end, mm-hmm. right? From the get-go. Mm-hmm. And do you think at any point you overreacted to this at all? No. Okay. So the reason I asked that question is, is you had a sense that he talked to you by your first name because I'll let you put it. I don't know why. I'm not going to put any intention it could have been a number of reasons. I don't know why specifically, if I had to speculate. Maybe because I'm a woman. Maybe because I'm a black woman. Maybe because I'm younger than him. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But here's the deal. You're not going to disrespect me in my OR for the case that I called for the patient I'm taking care of. This is my OR, not yours. You're here as a guest at this point, And I'm asking you, for your assistance, you will respect me in the way that I respect you. Respect my house. Basically. Never once did I not call him Doc, which, frankly, for me, is a sign of respect as colleagues. Now, had he said, what's your first name? And I said, Renee. And he said, oh, by the way, my name is Joe, Bill, Bob, whatever, right? Then I would have been like, okay, not a problem. You feel comfortable enough that you want to go on a first name basis? I don't actually have a problem with that. What you're not going to do. But in that situation, the expectations have already been set as to what the exchange is going to be. And it comes off as an equal, fair exchange. I ask for your name. I tell you my name. And we go by first name only mm-hmm. or you, you can say, feel free to call me. Right. Whatever. Because sometimes I've done that with docs, depending on just kind of level of comfort, the situation. Sometimes I've done that with docs like, oh, don't worry. What just did your call partner say Renee. when the consultant left the room? He didn't say anything. Really? No. He didn't say anything. Mm-mm. Did anybody else say anything? Nope. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, but not the first time I've made people feel uncomfortable. This is why I get in trouble. What's your advice for people who kind of go through these situations, right? Because I think this happens, obviously, to women a lot more than men, Mm -hmm. whether they are in training or once they are attending, so to speak. What's your advice for those who are in training? I mean, look, I always say it's important to establish certain behaviors or certain ways in which you want to react to something. So that when you become an attending, it's not this fresh, like ripping the bandaid off and asking Mm -hmm. you to respond to something that you never were trained to. Right. Right. 
but also at the same time, you have to play the game to win. But also at the same time, should you play the game and be punked the entire time and then all of a sudden be expected to stand up for yourself when you right. haven't stood up for yourself for four years, five years, or however long your residency is? Right. Well, somewhere along the line during my residency, it was taught to me that the surgeon runs the OR, right? And everybody else pretty much kind of goes to the tune of the surgeon, right? When you enter an OR, it's really important that you are the leader of the OR and that everyone know that you are the leader of the OR because should there be an emergency, then you have to be the cool, calm, and collected one that says, this is what needs to happen next. This is what needs to happen next. You have to be the cool, calm, and collected one to take any suggestions from someone who might have an idea, because after all, you still are on a team, even though you might be running the team or leading the team. But you have to be the person who is first and foremost kind of front and center about the patient's care. Somewhere along the line that was taught to me in residency. And I've always taken that to heart because I have been in, in ORs where Surgeons were out of control. And I'm like, well, nobody respects you because you out of control. You have no clue what you're doing or you know what you're doing, but you're barking so much at everyone that not everybody quite is on the same page. So I never want to be that person in the OR. But my expectation also is that when you do come into the OR, if I were coming into his OR to do a consultation, I would respect that he is the leader of the OR and I would refer to him as Dr. So-and-so, right? I think what drives me nuts is, is in that opposite situation that you're talking about, there's just certain expectations that are just expectations that don't have to be thought of. It's like default ways in which things would be handled. But in your situation, like that, I guess, quote unquote, courtesy mm -hmm. is not given to you. It's right. almost like you have to demand that courtesy, right? which is even more frustrating. Yeah. So well, only, at least in that situation. Not only mm -hmm. did you probably feel like you were not considered to be on the same level, but then you had put the energy forth, right. dealing with a stressful case and then do the energy to be like, yo, yeah. that wasn't cool. And for those who don't think, like, why are you making such a big deal about this? Tell us why you think that it is a big deal and why you should handle that. Well, because I think it's a big deal because I think a lot of people do go through that. And I think that a lot of people go through that because a lot of people are doing that to other people. And at some level, you have to let people know this is not acceptable. It undermines your authority. For some people, it might make them question their own authority. It might make them question kind of, do I really belong here? Am I seen as someone who is respected or respectable? It really does speak to the heart of just kind of who you are as a physician, right? Part, I think, of being a physician is that you want to know that you can lead in taking care of a patient. But when someone comes to you and is like, yeah, move over, Bacon. You ain't nothing. It's like, hold on a second. Yeah. No. Hold up. Before we continue to all my day ones, and you know each and every one of you who you are, Thank you for rolling with the show from Jump. And to the new listeners, welcome. What's good? Where y'all been? I want y'all to stay a while, all right? 
So look, I'm trying to build a community here and I need your help. So with whatever app you're listening to this show right now, I want you to click the subscribe button. Then I want you to go over to Apple Podcasts and I want you to rate and review the show. And you may be asking, how does this help? The way how it helps is by helping the show to grow and rise up in the rankings so that it's easier for new people to discover the show. Now, what's in it for you is at least once a week, I'm going to be going through these reviews. I'm going to pick a lucky reviewer and I'm going to give that person an opportunity to have a 15 minute session with me where we could talk about anything from personal finance, getting your money right to just shooting the you know what about the show. So listen, remember, all I need you to do is subscribe and then rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. Let's get on with the episode. Peace. So it goes down to what I say. How can you be expected to stand up for your patients if you can't even stand up for yourself? For yourself. Funny enough, I received sign out that day from a younger attending. She's probably a year, maybe two out. She just passed her boards. I received sign out from a younger attending that day before this whole case ever happened. And when I tell you this young woman was punked in the OR, the anesthesiologist actually left her OR, okay? Left that surgeon's OR, came out to labor and delivery and demanded that another OBGYN come in because we need a doctor in the room. And it's like, hold up, she is a doctor and the patient actually is fine. There's nothing going on that would warrant you ever coming to ask for another doctor to come in, her actual colleague that she's on call with, her partner, that if she were running into problems with it, she would be the one to call. But the anesthesiologist actually left the room, left the CRNA in the room, left the room, came running to labor and delivery and was like, where's the other doctor? We need a doctor in the room. So on the heel of that, now I have the urologist coming in and basically, what's your name? Hey, Renee, cut here for me, Renee. And I was like, yeah, we're not going to set that precedent. So you might be able to get away with that with somebody else. <laughs> you don't know who you're dealing with. No, because what you're not going to do is punk me in my own OR. That's not going to happen. As far as advice, I mean, I would just tell any doctor, know your role, know it. And not know your role in the sense of put yourself in your place, like stay in your lane kind of thing. No, like know when you need to exert your authority. And for women who are not necessarily used to being that alpha, unfortunately, sometimes you're just going to have to exert your alpha and just let people know if I know my stuff, if I know what I need to do, and I'm the one that is primarily responsible for this patient, you are not going to come and undermine my authority. I don't mind if you come in, you do a consultation, you tell me what your opinion is as far as what you think is best, especially for what it is I'm consulting you for. But what you're not going to do is you are not going to come in and pretend that you're better than me, that you hold some sort of rank over me, that you have some sort of authority over me. That's not going to happen. Not going to happen. 
And this is why I get in trouble. Well, I think that my advice also, I'm not going to give advice to women because I think that that's, I think you gave really good advice there. I think just in general, I think that I agree with what you're saying. In some form or fashion, you have to stand up for yourself in residency. And sometimes you may have to risk Mm -hmm. getting some type of pushback. But I think ultimately people will respect you more because they know where you stand. If you don't stand for anything or if you go along with the wind, if you are a yes person, Mm -hmm. people don't respect you. No. And it will be very easy to start seeing when people don't respect you. And that behavior, I think, kind of like multiplies and compounds Mm -hmm. to the point where when you get to attending status, you really are behind the eight ball. Mm -hmm. And you can go about it in two ways. You can completely do the same thing and wilt under pressure when Mm -hmm. it's time for you to stand up for yourself in the operating room or maybe if there is something that's coming from administration. Or you can go to the complete opposite way and just completely flip out and get upset, angry and get erratic and all these different things and become really difficult to deal with from Mm -hmm. that standpoint, Mm -hmm. which doesn't help anybody also. I think that it's always good. The energy in terms of what's going to be, the energy that's going to be spent, the energy that's going to be put out there, I think is far less when you handle the situation at the moment. Yeah. ASAP. ASAP. And just say, look, guys, this is an opportunity where it is obvious right now in front of me that you're literally trying to sun me. Right. In my own case. Right. Right. You came in. You knew that I'm the doctor. You know that I'm the doctor because you're talking to me directly. And for some reason, you prefer to call me by my first name. You see my partner, right, who's a male, and you refer to him as Dr. So-and-so. It's a problem. Mm -hmm. And I think that some people may say, well, that could have been X. That could have been Y. That could have been Z. Whatever the issue is, is that that doctor should have made it part of his plan to be like, I'm going to call this person Dr. So-and-so. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going to call this person Dr. So-and-so. Right. Either way. I mean, I think you asked me earlier, why do I think he did that? Reality is, that's not my problem. <laughs> I don't actually care why he did that. The point is, he ain't supposed to do that. Well, I'll tell you this right now, he probably ain't going to do it again. Or if he does, he'll probably, think twice, about, he'll probably think twice about it again. <laughs> so He won't do that to me, I'll so, tell you that. This is more of an impromptu episode that we want to start doing now, kind of giving people lessons that they should be doing in residency or as a young attending and just start saying like, look, y'all, y'all need to start standing up for yourself. You need to start advocating for yourself because ultimately, if you really need to be there to advocate for your patients and you ain't able to do it for yourself. I will put this one caveat. Oh, Lord. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. We are talking about, well, you specifically mentioned residents. And standing up for yourself, I would say, just be careful. You are still training. You don't want to be insubordinate. You want to stand up for yourself. You want to let it be known where you stand. But you don't also don't want to be so cocky. Again, you are training. So there are things that you are not going to know and that you're not going to understand as to why things are done the way that they are done in residency I always found that, especially as a junior resident, it was better to ask the question in standing up for yourself, if that makes any sense. So I wanted to do this. Well, I didn't want to, your attending says, well, I don't want to do that. And instead of, well, I think this is what is best for the patient or whatever, you might ask the question, well, why do you want to do that instead of this? 
again, asking the yeah, question. I think that's a really good point. Because without being insubordinate. I've seen residents do that. They're like, well, if I be more of an asshole, that shows more of that I'm not going to let someone run over me. And it's like, no, you're coming off as an asshole or you're coming off as cocky. Right. And the fact that you don't know, but you respond in terms mm-hmm. of not knowing instead of not asking a question, right. but more of being an asshole of, well, right. I think this is the right way to go. It's like, wait, hold on a second. You don't know how to handle this situation. So your obvious answer is to be more of an asshole who doesn't know Correct. what's going on. That shows you don't have self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And it shows no that you don't understand. That's and right. you don't have self-reflection on the case. Actually, mm-hmm. that looks worse for you. So I'm glad you actually brought up that caveat. So yes. So not here we go. You take that back? Yeah, I take that back. So standing up for yourself does not mean being an asshole or being cocky. It just means, look, ask a question. Why? I don't understand why. And based off my understanding of X, Y, and Z, we should be doing Y. And I don't understand why we're going down that route. Okay, that's fine. That's a fair question. That's Mm -hmm. a fair question. Fair discussion. It's a good discussion. Let's talk about it. And then ultimately you get A, B, C, D, and Y and go from there. Boom. There you go. All right, everyone. This was a quick lesson with Dr. Nia and Renee, actually ran by Dr. Renee. You said Dr. Nia and Renee. You didn't say doctors, Nia and Renee. See what you're not going to (laughs) do. I'll catch y'all in the next one. (laughs) Peace.